Blog Talk Radio. on allhabs.net with your host, Christy. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 163 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, January 16th, 2016. Busy week for the Montreal Canadiens of big news, mostly off the ice and on the ice. In terms of the Canadiens' performance on the ice, Canadiens played two games, and no surprise, the way they've been playing lately, they lost both games, 3-1 against the Pittsburgh Penguins and 2-1 against the Chicago Blackhawks on Thursday night. That gives the Canadians, after 44 games played, a record of 23-18-3 for a total of 49 points. And that places them fifth place in the Atlantic Division. So that's the lowest we've seen the Montreal Canadiens. So that means right now the Canadians have the second wildcard position in the Eastern Conference. And the Canadians suddenly have to look behind them because we have the Carolina Hurricanes at 48 points. So they're not far ahead. They're not far behind. And we also have the Pittsburgh Penguins who have one game in hand over the Montreal Canadiens with uh, 47 points. So the Canadians definitely have to start winning to get back into a comfortable position. In the Eastern Conference, Canadians are eighth place. So still hanging in there, but uh, barely. Half 360, the most informative and interactive podcasts that you'll find. You can reach us via Twitter at Tab360 and you can give us your thoughts on anything Montreal Canadiens related. 
And while we know that there was lots going on, we've already received plenty of uh, comments on Twitter, so we'll be reading those throughout today's episode. And in terms of the playoffs, according to sportsclubstats.com, Canadians have a 75.6% chance of making it into uh, the playoffs. Joining me, my co-host for the day, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. Twitter handle is All Habs, and it's the same way you can reach him on uh, pretty much any social media site. Rick Stevens, how are you doing, Rick? Hello, Chris. I am doing fine. How are you? I'm trying to be. I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring my emotions down because you, you last week that that I got a little bit too, you know, ramped up when I started talking about certain things and. There's the opportunity to do that here, so I'm going to keep things low and calm today. How's that? Okay, all right. So, so that's good. And I'm, but I'm sure it won't last too long because the first subject <laughs> I will talk about, I know, is very. Uh, it'll be a passionate uh, discussion, not just for you. I think for all of Habs fans in general. And in fact, joining us in 15 minutes' time will be Jeremy Filosa, who is the Habs beat reporter on 98.5 FM Sports. And 98.5 FM is the French Montreal Canadiens radio home. So he'll be here and we'll get his perspective on the latest Montreal Canadiens news. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on Hams 360. So we're going to get started right away with our winners and losers of the week. And we even got some tweets from uh, from yesterday. People looking forward to hearing our nominees and our winners. So we don't want to keep the people waiting. So Rick, why don't you start us off and telling us, uh, let's start with the loser category. Well, um, you know, it's it's no wonder they're waiting for this because this is the most popular segment in, in, in any podcast, really. And as you said, um, Abs360, the most informative, the most engaging, the most interactive. Um, and this is this is the most popular segment. For those people just joining us and don't know how it works, we um, collaborate. We 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 have our we meet every day. We we put names up on the big board, and it's a process of elimination of who's going to be the the the, the nominee. And it gets whittled down to sometimes early Saturday morning. Um, we come up with a list of four names. Three are the runners up, and one is the winner or loser of the week. And well, we threw that out. And Go sometimes, ahead. Rick, it, it leads to sleepless nights. Uh, that's how hard it, it gets sometimes. <laughs> exactly. It does. Um, but we're throwing that all out the window this week because because of what happened, because of the events of the week. Um, all the, all the, the other nominees were just tossed on the floor because we have one clear winner in the loser category and one clear winner in the winner category. Winner in the winner category, yeah. Um, but we're starting with losers, you said. Well, Canadians ha- had a bad week, so I, I think it's uh, fit that we start with the loser of the week. Perfect. So, um, you know, in in th- this this person was edging to the top even prior to Friday. Uh, you know, which which means he's and and I think. In the first half, he was he was uh, a nominee uh, for a, a, a first half loser award. But we're going to name Mark Bergevin as the loser of the week, and and it's it's 
it's a, it's a knockout. It's, it's not a technical decision. It's, it's a full knockout decision. This was hands down. Nobody else was even close. Um, somebody please, please explain to me the trade that happened on Friday and don't give me the nonsense reasons. Give me the reason why this happened. Um, you know, unless a miracle happens, this is likely to go down as as certainly, if not one of the worst trades, certainly the most talked about, certainly the most, um, the trade with the most um, things attached to it, with all the different layers that are coming out now with the, the All-Star game and the NHL involvement and the, you know, it, it was complicated enough as it is. A, a three-team trade, um, as as Bergevin has said, uh, uh, two-team trades are hard enough these days, but to get a third team involved. Now, he said it took three weeks to put together. Frankly, I, with the, the names that were involved, I doubt that. I doubt it a lot, but um, what a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, and, you know, when 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 all the dust clears... Um, we have Jared Tenardi shipped out. We have Stefan Fournier, um, who is the last name in this, uh, also sent to the Coyotes. And we have uh, Victor Bartley and, um, yes, the infamous John Scott coming back to the Montreal organization and perhaps uh, on his way right now to um, St. John's. Um from a, 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 a just uh, take all the other layers away. Just from a talent evaluation perspective, how in the world did this happen? Remember, remember that not too long ago we were talking about John Scott and his, you know, the whole internet thing that happened. Uh, not by itself, it wasn't or, an organic thing. Let's let's be honest about that. It was fueled by Puck Daddy who. Um, thought it would be really cool for this to happen. Really funny. What a neat practical joke for John Scott to be at the the All Star Game. Um, but we were all Canadians fans and each other. We were all laughing at that. We were all. It, it was it it was the joke of the league. John Scott was going to be at the All Star Game. And and now now. He is part of your Montreal Canadiens organization. And how did it all happen? You know, yesterday on, on on Twitter, the very first things the very first things I saw was that Jared Tenardi was being pulled off the plane. Canadians on their way to St. Louis. Now, just a, a part, just. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, a bit of a movement. Uh, oh, it's not fair that John Scott's not going to be at the All-Star. Just think of Jared Tenorti being on the plane with his teammates and, and getting yanked off the plane. Think of that feeling. So we saw that and we knew something was up. And then the first we heard was to, to, uh, uh, about the teams involved. Arizona, we heard Tenorti's, yep, Tenorti's, going to to uh the coyotes the the trade call is happening now so what was your speculation i know in my timeline uh there was all kinds of names 
probably the one I saw most often was uh, Mikhail Botker, who would be a great addition to the Canadians, who would be a great um, scoring winger, plays both sides, could fit on the on the um, you know the second line and and maybe be that answer. He's a unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, do the Coyotes want to keep him? Do they not? Can they afford him? Who knows? But okay, that makes sense. He would be an answer. He would be an answer. Would would Jared Tenorti land him all by himself? I don't know. But a package with including Tenorti, land Mikel Bodker certainly possible. But then, and also, go ahead. And honestly, anybody better than would be better than John Scott. Uh, at one point, we also had heard that uh, Anthony Declare wasn't skating. So then there was some talk that it could have been him involved. That I think even that would have been better, even though he wouldn't have solved all the Canadians' problems. But but John Scott, man, that's ridiculous. Exactly, and that was you know in the timeline. You're you're absolutely right. That's what came out next in the chronology of what happened yesterday. The next report after after it, it was uh, Arizona was Anthony declares not at practice. Um, so, oh, Point Claire native, right? Anthony Declare, this, this, this could be a, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's raw, but there's some potential there. Again, would, would Tenorti have, have, have brought Anthony Declare all by himself? Probably not, but, but there was potential there and the excitement started to build. And, and as people, uh, mentioned Anthony Declare not at practice. It was oh and oh by the way John Scott's not at practice either. But ha ha ha. Well, that'd be funny if he came over on a in a package with Anthony Declare. Maybe it's Anthony Declare and John Scott. Ha ha ha. But then John Scott is the primary in this. He's the primary. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I know there's lots of people who just love and adore, just adore Mark Bergevin. And they're saying, well, you know, he had to um, he had to free up some cap room so he can make the next big move. Well, uh, you know, there's not much cap room relief in the uh, resulting from this trade. And if he's going to make this next big trade, how's it going to happen without assets? You know, it was talked about months ago. Okay, he would have to package a Tenorti. Uh, he'd have to package package maybe a Christian Thomas, package maybe a Tokarski. Uh, all these all these assets are gone. How is he going to How is he going to make that trade that people are going to um, be excited about if he doesn't have the assets? It's it's just. It's mind-boggling. The other, the uh, go, go ahead, uh, go ahead. The the main piece in this trade, I think John uh, John, John Scott is the is a name that uh, most uh, people in hockey know that recognize, especially because of the whole thing surrounding the uh, the All Star break, uh, the All Star game. Uh, we heard this morning. Michel Therrien is saying in his uh, in his comments that there's a lot of people in the Canadian organization that like Victor um, Victor Bartley, the Canadian the defenseman that was picked up. So 
So maybe he was uh, the big piece. Maybe he was the defenseman that uh, Mark Bergevin and his scouts were trying to get. And then in that three-way conversation, where maybe the Arizona Coyotes were sort of, I don't know, blackmail, or were holding this on, well, if you guys want this trade completed, somebody needs to take uh, John Scott. And then, well, maybe the Canadians wanted Victor Bartley so bad that at the end, Bergevin said, okay. And regardless if whether that's true, obviously it's just speculation that I'm throwing out there. I don't think this was a good trade. I don't think the Canadians should have even bring John Scott in the uh, organization. I have no idea what he'll bring to the team. If you look at the uh, statement that uh, Mark Bergevin sent out yesterday, uh, he writes, John Scott is a seasoned veteran with 285 NHL games under his belt. He'll bring experience to a group of forwards with the ice caps in uh, St. John's. So what kind of experience will he bring? John Scott in the NHL, he's played 285 games, a total of 11 points and 542 penalty minutes. So what kind of a, a role model is he? Not a good one. I don't think he's somebody that should be around a developing uh, AHL team. And another thing that I found weird about this trade is that both these guys, whether it be Bartley or uh, John Scott, were both available uh, at some point during the season via waivers. So the Canadians, if they wanted Bartley, if he was the guy they were looking for, they could have picked him up for free, right? And not even give up uh, an asset for it for him. And yeah, well, when that... it comes, and, and just to finish off, uh, Rick, in the statement, Bergevin writes, we're fortunate to have a lot of depth on the blue line, and for that reason, it became difficult for Jared to earn a regular spot on our roster. But Correct me if I'm wrong, Bartley is a defenseman. So it still hasn't solved the problem for the Canadians. They still have the same depth. They still have nine defensemen. Well, that was the that was the curious thing about the, the statement. It's like the two parts of the statement were, you know, disconnected, didn't talk to each other. It says that um, we were able to trade Tenorti because of our, our, our depth on defense. And then under Bartley, um, I don't remember the exact words, but it said we acquired him to shore up our def- our uh, defensive depth. It's it's silly. Um, it's absolutely silly. And as you said, if if you know if they really wanted Bartley, if if what Michelle Terrian said is true, which I don't think it is, if they really wanted him, they could have picked him up on waivers. Number two, if they really wanted him badly deal with the Nashville Predators alone and leave Arizona out of it. You know, you know, um, you don't have to go the John Scott route if, if your target is Bartley, which again, I don't think it is. Um, And, and where's the need? Where's the need for a 27 year old um, journeyman AHL defenseman? Is, is he better than Patteron? Is what about Ellis and and Dietz and Learnout and and Bennett? I know I, I don't just don't see it. Um, some people ridiculous, most ridiculous comment I saw today was that uh, John Scott was actually targeted. They the Canadians wanted him because 
uh, players were getting beaten up in, in St. John's and they needed a policeman to come in and sort things out and to protect <laughs> Saint, their prospects. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Um, and they don't want Mike McCarron to fight anymore. Have you seen, ha, have any of these people seen the ice caps? Have they seen the way Mike McCarron plays? And if that was indeed the case, they wouldn't have traded Stefan Fournier, who is, who is the, the guy who jumps in to protect his teammates and fights most. And they, they wouldn't have gotten rid of Eric Nielsen. They released him out of, off of his, his uh, PTO today. He's their enforcer. So, I mean, all of these comments that can justify the trade are absolute nonsense. This is a horrible trade. Uh, just some comments on uh, Twitter. First one comes from uh, Tim uh, Alexander in uh, Vancouver. In regards to his losers of the week, he writes, the losers are the fans who are standing beside this team still after 20 years after 20 plus years of crap and the next tweet comes from uh, Brian in uh, Burlington Ontario he writes um, not sure the satisfaction can exceed mine but hey Bergevin is a snazzy dresser though I'd rather have Bon Scott than uh, John Scott so <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> uh, for the tweets uh, everybody so th- there will still be more talk about this trade uh, throughout this uh, podcast but uh at least for now, Rick, why don't you tell us who your winner of the week is? Our winner, and again, we, we don't have nominees we, or runners-up. Uh, we simply have one winner, and that's Jared Tenorti. Um, Jared Tenorti is going to a team who wants him. Jared Tenorti is going to an NHL team who will, for the first time, give him a fair shot, which he didn't receive in Montreal. Um, Jared Tenorti is, is a big physical, strong skating um, defenseman with, with a good stick um, who's got a bit of a mean streak um, who by all objective uh, evaluations is an NHL caliber defenseman. Um, we heard that when I was down in, in, uh, t- with, on my road trip with the, the Ice Caps. Uh, the captain, Gabriel Dumont, said, uh, this guy is an NHL defenseman. Um, He's, he's, he's amazing. So he's going to get a chance finally. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know if he can ever reach the potential because so much damage has been done um, uh, during his, his so-called development. Um, uh, But I'm sure that he can um, effectively be a third bearing defenseman um, with uh, some upside, maybe at some point, if he gets his confidence back and his game back, he can he can be a comparing defenseman. But he is the the winner of the week, and we wish him all the best in in Arizona, and uh, really hope that he can get back on track to to at least coming co- close to uh, the potential that he has. Uh, a couple more tweets. First one comes from uh, Jim. He writes, Tenorti will be howling like a wolf in Arizona colors, so he thinks that it's going to go well. And another one, uh, I hope it's uh, sarcastic, comes from Jacques Beaulieu, who writes, Scott could be useful in the playoffs. So <laughs> Canadians need to make the playoffs, and as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, right now they're holding on to a uh, playoff spot. So keep your tweets coming at Habs360, 
is the way to reach us on Twitter. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll be joined by Jeremy Filoza, Canadian's beat reporter from 98.5 FM Sports. They are the home of the French radio home of the Montreal Canadiens. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Hams360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back. Episode 163 of the Habs 360 podcast. So we even heard a couple of Canadians partied uh, this weekend, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And uh, I'm Chris G at Christy1980, along with uh, Rick Stevens from uh, allhabs.net. And joining us now on the line, Montreal Canadiens beat reporter from 98.5 FM Sports. We are the French radio home of the Montreal Canadiens. And in fact, uh, I believe they were the first to tweet or to send out a notification that Jared Tenorio was not on the plane to head over to uh, St. Louis in preparation for tonight's game. His name is Jeremy Filosa. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. No problem. It's my pleasure. So, uh, before we came on, Jeremy, we were talking about the trade uh, of yesterday where the Canadians acquired uh, John Scott and Victor uh, Bartley from Arizona. And I just want to read you a couple of comments that we received from our Twitter followers. First one comes mm-hmm. from uh, from NHL Outsiders. His name is Jason. He writes, most embarrassing trades 
in the history of the Canadians. Uh, Martin Villeneuve writes, one of the worst trades the Habs have ever made, just done to avoid sending Scott to uh, the All-Star game. I could be here for the next half an hour to read you more of these kind of tweets, but I think you get the, the picture. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, this trade? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is I'm very disappointed that we let go a first-round draft pick without ever giving him a real chance to show us what he can do. I mean, you draft players in the first round, and you're hoping to build for the future with these guys. And now, uh, here we are, five years after this guy's been drafted, or five and a half years, and we've never really had a chance to give him, say, 30 or 40 games to say, let's see what this guy can do at the NHL level. So, I mean, for me, as as much as you have, may have looked at this guy in in the uh, in the AHL, you haven't looked at him in the NHL, and you're basically going blind. You're trading this guy in a blind way. Uh, this is what bothers me the most, and I understand that with Gilbert coming back, somebody was going to have to go on waivers in order to be sent down. But for me, uh, if you're going to build a team, uh, you might as well. Uh, try to keep these guys that you drafted and see what they can do. And if you need to make a roster spot by sacrificing Tom Gilbert to, to get a draft pick, then that's what you might have to do. Uh, you know, there's an abundance of defensemen on the Montreal Canadiens right now. And I don't think that you're going to build this team long-term by trading first-round picks uh, for, obviously, John Scott is not even, I mean, this is just uh, this is just uh, a throw-in or a player that, you know, uh, Arizona absolutely wanted to get rid of. Uh, and you're picking up a defenseman who's 27 years old, who's never cracked, really cracked an NHL roster. I can understand fans being upset and disappointed. And now knowing the value that the Canadians got for Jared Tenorti, are we convinced that if the Canadians would have placed him through waiver to send him down to the AHL that he would have been picked up? Like, are we convinced that that would have happened? Well, listen, I think if you're an NHL team and you have a chance to pick up a first-round draft pick and your scouts are doing their job and telling you, listen, this guy never got a chance. Nobody knows. Nobody knows if this guy is NHL caliber or not because they never gave him a shot. Then if I'm an NHL team, if I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, heck yeah, I'm taking a chance with Jared Tenorti. You know, why not? I mean, what do you got to lose here? Uh, I mean, had he played one or two full years in the NHL and not been able to keep up the pace or had really shown some serious flaws, then you say, you know what, we've seen this guy, we've seen tapes of this guy in the NHL, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing to do here, this guy's not going to develop to be an NHL, then fine. But the fact that we haven't seen him at all or barely at all, uh, I would have taken a chance, definitely. Now, I mean... If you think that you can't get fair value for the guy, then just keep him and trade somebody who does, you know, who you can get fair value for. Uh, this is what I'm thinking here. And this move leads me to believe that the Canadians are still thinking that this year there's a real possibility for this team to make a run at the Cup. Otherwise, there's no way they would have let go of a Jared Tenorti first-round pick, even though he had to go through waivers. Hey, Jeremy, it's Rick Stevens. Um, I, well said, very well said, uh, which which then turns us to the attention on our general manager, uh, Mark Bergevin. And 
I, I would say it's, I think it's fair to say that he's had a pretty easy ride. Um, he's come in um, with, as he stated, his, his uh, one of his top priorities were, was to acquire a scoring winger. Um, and in three and a half years, he hasn't done that. So, you know, there's lots of comments. In fact, I, I just got, we just got another one on Twitter saying, um, sorry, I can't be mad at Mark Bergevin because he's the hottest thing we have going. So, you know, he's Bergevin's hot. He's a snappy dresser. He's funny. He's a personable guy. Um, do you think the mood is starting to turn and starting to question, um, you know, whether he, whether indeed there is a plan to carry uh, this team to the cup? Well, listen, there's one thing I'm really confused about is, you know, it seemed as though Mark Bergevin was not willing to trade away the future to pick up a guy that can help you now. We talked about picking up a forward, a winger, uh, whatever it might be, but now you go ahead and trade a first-round pick, and you're not getting that winger. I mean, I don't think anybody in Montreal would have complained if Jared Tenorti had been traded in a package deal uh, with 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 a, a pick, whether it be a high pick or a low pick or even a, a, a roster player, in order to go pick up that forward who can help you, nobody would have complained. But now you're going against exactly what you said. You're trading away the potential future for nothing. So if you're not willing to trade away the potential future for a guy that can help you now, why are you trading him away for two guys that are probably not going to be on this roster ever? This is the question that I'm, I, I'm asking myself. And, you know, there's one thing. Excuses are for losers. And this is the reality. Mark Bergevin keeps complaining that there are no trades out there. There's no way to make trades. Listen, the system is there for 30 general managers. It is hard. It is tough. But you know what? Nobody wants to hear it. Just get it done. You know, when P.K. Subban is trying to score a goal and there's no space in the offensive zone, But that's the reality for 30 NHL teams. Nobody says, well, it's okay. We'll give them a pass. There's no space in the ice. No, your job is to find that space, create that space, put the puck in the net, and nobody's going to give you a break. Nobody's going to tell you, well, there's no space out there, so it's all right for you if you're not scoring goals or you're not producing. I mean, we're, we're tough on Pacioretty. We're tough on Lars Eller. We're, we're tough on Plikanis. And we know their jobs are not easy. Bergevin's job is not easy. I agree. But don't don't. Don't give me these excuses. Just get it done. I mean, we all have a job. We all work. We all get paid. And at times, our jobs are never easy. But what does our boss tell us? I don't care how you do it. Just get it done. I'm paying you. Get it done. And that's it. Uh, Tim from Vancouver, one of our listeners, he, he writes, any chance that we can get the great Mark Bresher on the phone or is he busy on his PS4? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> well, You know what? The thing is, even when you do get him on, he doesn't really say much. I mean, this team is so secretive about every single little thing that they do. Uh, I mean, they were upset with us because we had the, the Tenorti story. But, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we have guys traveling with the team. And if they see a guy that's not on the plane, it's also part of their job to report it back to the station. So, uh, you know, the general manager confirmed to us that Tenorti had been traded to Arizona. And we still got in trouble from the communications department telling us that we shouldn't have said it. I mean, if the general manager said he's gone, he's gone. What else is there to hide? If you wanted to hide it, he wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> True enough. Uh, we I, we put out a, a tongue-in-cheek poll via our Twitter, and the question was, what should the Habs do the next? What should Habs do next? The four choices were nothing, all is good, fire Terrier, fire Bergevin, or fire both. 
and this was after the trades. I was thinking that Bergevin would have come up a bit more, but in fact, with uh, almost 400 votes, we have 63% of them saying fire Terrian. So Terrian is still the number one attention right now. Uh, concerning the Canadians... Okay, but here's the thing, yeah, okay? I mean, yeah. when, when, when Terrian and Bergevin sat together in the summer, and Bergevin asked Terrian, what do you need? Terrian, of course, must have told him, listen, I need a guy that can play on my top six, right? Okay, fine. Now, Bergevin made some moves. He picked up some players who didn't pan out, didn't work out. Seven didn't work out. Uh, Cashin didn't work out. Fleischman played well during camp and the first month of the season. Since then, he hasn't done much. Whose fault is that? I mean, can, can Bergevin actually go to Terry and say, hey, I gave you the guys you asked me for. You're not making them produce. No, the onus right now is on Bergevin. And I'm not saying to find fire Bergevin because I think this team has made strides over these last couple of years. They've become a Stanley Cup contender with these guys there. So I don't think that firing the general manager or the coach is the solution. But you've got to give your coach the tools to play with. He does not have six legitimate NHL forwards right now to play on his top two lines. So if you give him those players and they don't produce, then you can turn to him and say, listen, I gave you what you asked me for. You're not making them produce. It's your fault. But at this point in time, it's hard to blame Michel Therrien. What do you want him to do? He doesn't have any guys to put the puck in the net. And it was the same thing last year. Only last year they had a guy standing on his head in front of the net, and he was making all the saves. And that's the only reason they made the playoffs. So, you know, nothing has been changed in that sense. Uh, I was extremely disappointed with the re-signing of Lars Eller during the summer because I thought it was way too much money. At $1.9 million, which he was making last year, you could have easily have found somebody uh, to take him. But now you're stuck with him. You're stuck with his salary because he's making way too much money for what he gives you on the ice. And I'm sad to see Tenorti go because I think that in a major transaction, in order to bring in a top six, six forward, I think Jared Tenorti would have been a beautiful throw-in that a lot of organizations would have said, yeah, what the heck, let's take a chance with this guy. We'll take him. Let's see how we, we can develop him. And now he's not there anymore, and we have nothing of value to show for him. Just switching gears a little bit from the uh, the trade, um, you're in the you're in the locker room, and, and uh, you see things that our listeners may not. Uh, one of the things I think that um, over the last few years, one of the strengths of this team has been the unity, has been – um, the camaraderie, it's been a really strong room. And we've seen how the opposite has had, you know, a, a divided room has hurt a team. The Bruins last year, e- even in the Canadians past, the, the Ribeiro uh, Koivu stuff, the Alan Walsh through Halak, the Metropolitan Darsh n- nonsense in the Jacques Martin era, it divides a locker room and it makes those problems that much, you know, the on ice problems, it, it exacerbates that. Um, are we seeing the first cracks uh, in that unity? The you know, people are talking about the the dynamic between uh, Subban and Pacioretty. You know, some people were unhappy uh, about the way Markov's been treated. Are you getting a sense that there's some cracks starting to show in that really strong room? Um, you know, there are signs that are sort of starting to remind me of the centennial year where things starting off, started off great. And then after that, things just sort of, you know, drifted apart and things started breaking down in the dressing room and that year ended catastrophically. Uh, you know, there are a couple of little things. Um, 
If you take a look at the statistics with P.K. Subban and the power play since the beginning of the season, he just scored a second goal right now. But he has got to be, and I haven't checked the numbers, but I'm sure it's not even close. He has got to be the absolute worst NHL player in terms of productions. Goals scored, uh, prorated with the minutes played on the power play. It's got to be, he's got to be first by a million miles. So I'm not putting all the blame on him because other teams are doing a great job on focusing on him. But the reality is you have other defensemen on the bench, say Jeff Petrie, for example, who played on the power play in Edmonton. Markov, who at some point in time was removed from the power play. Uh, now you have other guys. You have offensive skills. Barbario is an offensive type type of defenseman. Uh, Bollier. Now these guys are watching from the bench minute after minute after minute after minute after power play minute for a whole first half of the season and looking to the coach and thinking to themselves, when the heck is this guy going to say to himself, what the heck, let me just give Petrie a try. What the heck, let me just give Bollier a try. Because it's not working. It's not working. So these guys are on the bench, and they got to be thinking to themselves, you know, what the heck do I have to do to get on? What the heck do I have to do to get a shot at this? And that makes for upset players in the dressing room. They might not be directly upset at Subban, but they're indirectly upset at him because the coach is keeping him out there, even though he's not producing offensively and scoring goals. Of course this is going to make for some friction in the locker room, and uh, that could be the beginning of that, especially when you start losing games. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Jeremy, thank you very much. We do appreciate uh, your time, and we'll be listening on 98.5 FM Sports, the French the official French radio home for the Montreal Canadiens. We know you're the beat reporter. You're there for the Canadiens home games. And I know you're a part of the rest of the programming on that station as well. So thank you very much for joining us. All right. You're very welcome, guys. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that was Jeremy Filosa. Twitter handle is J underscore Filosa. You can follow him on Twitter. We did tweet out his Twitter handle uh, prior to today's episode. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. There's still more Montreal Canadiens to talk about. Plenty of reaction on Twitter, so stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, 
an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. And uh, I feel bad for uh, the incident that uh, because it was made public, and uh, I feel bad for uh, for the teammates, for the organization, and uh, first of all for the fans. And uh, at the same time, uh, it is. Uh, I'm a young player, and uh, it's a lesson in life. And uh, by the same time, it's an incident that it, it is in my personal life. That uh, I'm not gonna comment uh, on anything, on any details, or on what uh, uh, me and Mark talked in the meeting. And uh, my head right now is uh, is on the game, and I'm focused trying to win game tomorrow against Chicago. I think that it's too bad when it went public. Uh, um, but you know what? We can one thing we can't forget that those are young kids, you know, they're going to learn from it. And uh, the human beings, yes, we want them to be role model. We want them to be perfect. We want them to perform. We want, you know, but at the end of the day, we can't forget their their kids. And uh, uh, at times, all kids make some mistakes, you know, and the most important thing that they learn from that, that's the way I see it. All right, welcome back to episode 163 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G, along with uh, Rick Stevens. So we heard from Alex Galchenyuk and uh, from Michel Terrier, and this was following uh, last. The report came out early in the week that on Sunday, Alex Galchenyuk's uh, girlfriend got arrested following an incident that happened in Galchenyuk's home, and uh, Devante Smith Pelly was uh, also involved. Uh, we've probably all heard about it, so I don't think we need to go into details on um, what happened. And Rick, uh, we heard in the coach's comments there that he said it's, uh, I think it was, he said it's a shame or something along those words that the event was made public. Uh, do you think like uh, it should have gone public? Do you think as Montreal Canadiens fans, uh, we should know about these kind of things? Well, uh, you know, wh- whether we whether we want to or we don't want to, it, it's Montreal. Um, there, there, it is going to go public. Um, there are um, um, media sources. There are blogs. There are there are um, there are some sites who pay for this kind of information. Who it's it's almost a, a, a TMZ kind of thing where they'll pay for photos, they'll pay for video, they'll pay for. Uh, that sort of thing. So it's going to come out. It's unfortunate, but it's going to come out. Um, I think what's disturbed me most is not that it was made public, is just the way people ha- people with agendas, people with causes have latched onto this and kind of uh, 
you know, massage the, the, the so-called facts and shoehorned it into their, you know, their own little um, cause that, that um, and, and agendas that they're peddling, um, you know, was, 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 was this inappropriate for, for Alex Galchenyuk? Yes, it was. Um, all this stuff about, well, you know, what were you doing when you were 21? And so he had a party, big deal. He's 21. He's none of us, certainly none of us on this, this particular uh, podcast we're making $2.8 million when we were 21 years old. That's, that's more money than many people will make in their lifetime. Um, and attached to that are certain responsibilities and accountability. In addition, none of us work for a, 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 an employer whose value is $1.18 billion. And that, that because... Uh, Galchenyuk, all players are in um, in in the public, you know, uh, spotlight. Their actions affect the image, affect the brand of the Montreal Canadiens. So, was it appropriate uh, for uh, Alex Galchenyuk to apologize? Yes, it was. Was he wrong in 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 his part in this? Yes. You have to avoid attaching yourself when you can't control the outcome. You have to ensure that um, that it, it you know you're just not involved in it. Yes, he should have apologized, and yes, he was a victim. I mean, the two things are separate. Separating, saying, "Oh, well, we're you know a, a, vi- a victim shouldn't apologize." Well, he wasn't apologizing for being a victim. He was apologizing for bringing uh, this. This he was apologizing to the organization, um, and yes, he was a victim, and yes, it was wrong. Um, for his girlfriend to commit domestic violence. All those things can be true at the same time. Um, so, like I say, people who are kind of pulling off bits and pieces of this and running it with their torch and, and for their own personal agenda, I don't have any respect for. Um, I think it was unfortunate the way it happened. I think it, I think the Canadians and Alex Galchenyuk did the best by, um, you know, reacting to it the way they did um and very fortunately or unfortunately other things have happened this week to to overshadow that yeah and i definitely do agree with you rick because there was after the the galchenyuk apology that i played a couple of minutes ago a lot of people were saying well why did galchenyuk apologize this and that etc the fact that he he didn't apologize because he even said it later on during that press conference that they asked him, do you think he did anything wrong? And he said, no. Uh, he said that he was apologizing for being a distraction to the team. So when he's apologizing for that reason, I think, uh, I think it was a good thing. I think he needed to apologize for being a distraction, but maybe not necessarily for what he did. Because technically, like I said, did he do anything wrong in the grand scheme of things? I don't think he did, but he he definitely was a, a distraction. But now, Rick, like we've seen, uh, okay, Devante Smith-Pelly was also part of um, of what happened there. So when it comes to off-ice incidents, I'm just looking at this season. We had Zach Cassian. There was, okay, I said this season, but I'm going to throw in Braden Prest beforehand. We're pretty sure that it was related to uh, off-ice things as well. 
There was the the video that we saw earlier in the season with uh, Nathan Bollier, Christian Thomas. Now there's Galchenyuk and uh, Devontae Smith Pelly. Uh, what's missing? Like, why are all these things coming out? Is it just the fact that we're in Montreal, or is there something missing? Are they missing those uh, veterans to support them to uh, have them in their wing? What do you think is going on? It's a good question um, because should should Cassian have been been out till six a.m. and and driving with someone who's drunk? Should in this case Galchenyuk been partying? Um, uh, you know, after a game till till eight a.m. Um, you know, do the do um, is is the team doing enough to police themselves? Is the organization? Um, you know, by by pairing up young players with with uh, with veterans, are they doing enough? Those are really good questions. Um, but I think you know part of it is the is the Montreal is being in Montreal and how important uh, and what a focus there is on hockey in Montreal. I think it's you know Montreal, Toronto, um, those kinds of things are going to be more of a focus than they would be elsewhere. But but we shouldn't complain about that. We sh- we should just acknowledge that it exists and work harder to make sure that that there are supports in place for these players who to remind them of their responsibility of being accountable of all those things. Um, and and it's a really good question on your part to to wonder if if the team has done enough. Uh, that's a good question. You know. Um... Let's talk about hockey. So that okay, Andrew. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about some hockey for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we had a poll question: What should Habs do next? It was a tongue-in-cheek poll question that was posted. The choices were nothing. All is good. Fire Terry, fire Bergevin, or fire both. And at 63%, fire Terry is the uh, way ahead in the lead. Nothing. All is good at 19. Fire both is at 14%, and fire Bergevin is at uh, four, and I'm surprised that Fire Bergevin is so low uh, after yesterday's uh, trades. Uh, let's go to Twitter. Uh, plenty of reactions. We'll be reading and commenting on those at the same time. Uh, Home of the Habs, he tweets from Parts Unknown. He writes, Fire MT if you want. Won't change much anyway. Even if we bring the best coach, he won't do scoring because scoring is what we need. Toronto has one of the best coaches. Where are they? And I think I've mentioned it before, and I definitely do agree with that point of view, that uh, Terry, uh, considering the players that he has on his roster, he's doing his um, his best, what he could. And next one comes from uh, Habs Scooter from Vermont. He writes, thinking more are a brewing for Bergevin. So... And the next tweet comes from Erica. Erica tweets from Montreal. She writes, "Get new players." So, Rick, I know we we spoke about it in the in the first segment. There has to be more coming, right? Well, uh, yeah, it it, it 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 there has to be more coming, but it's pretty obvious that that number one. Um, Mark Bergevin is dealing from a, a position of weakness because his team is spiraling um, down the standings. Um, number two, that he's 
he's given away a lot of the assets that he might use to make a big move. And, you know, all of this that I keep seeing on Twitter about, um, oh, well, well, Mark Bergevin did a favor uh, to Maloney and he did a favor to Bettman uh, by solving their, their all-star game. So they're going to, they're going to, they're going to pay him back. If you expect that, that, you know, uh, Anthony DeClaire is still going to come here for uh, Marcus Eisensmead because that's that's going to be the payback, or or Mikhail Bodker is going to come for for Angelo Michelli. Uh, that's the payback. You know, that bad trade is going to make up for this one. It's you're 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 dreaming. Um, I think that Mark Bergevin is in a bit of a, a, a difficult position now. He's he's painted himself into a corner. He might have to make that that big trade to save um, Terran's job, and he may have to overpay. and And then what's going to happen is um, we're going to have Habs fans saying, "Oh, why did he give away those players to get that?" Um, and and then it goes to upsetting chemistry and all the other things that we talked about in a previous segment as well. Speaking of favors, uh, Claude Lemay from Grand Prairie, Alberta, he writes that Arizona do Montreal a favor in the trade Thomas Lesio for future considerations, which ended up being <laughs> John Scott. So that's an interesting yeah. thought. <laughs> haven't seen uh, Lesio, I assume. Yeah. So the next tweet comes from uh, Danny. Danny's from y- YZ. So if you go with the airport, you know where that's from. He writes... It's in regards to the poll question. Uh, people actually voted for all his goods. Glad fans are so accepting of mediocrity. And in that one, I think people who chose that are probably expecting um, want the Canadian next move to be to acquire a player and not one of those four options uh, that I indicated. Patrick, uh, he writes, solution is to hire a competent coach. Okay. I thank you for the tweet, even though I disagree. Uh, Cody Murphy from uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, home of the Ice Caps. He writes, might as well ask people how they feel about ISIS. Okay. Hab360 is about Habs. It's not about politics. Thank you for the tweet. <laughs> uh, Jeff McDonald from Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia writes, fire Terry, but also fire the rest of the coaching staff as well. Uh, Nino from uh, Laval about the the trade he writes terrible i like him as a good player he will do well with the coyotes next week comes from tim in regards to uh to nordy's development he writes they didn't manage his development they screwed him this has ryan mcdonough history written all over it uh rick I'm, i'm not assuming that that's what tim was trying to say but do you think Tenorti has Ryan McDonough potential? Uh, no. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he's comparing player to player because at the time McDonough was traded, uh, m- you know, m- many of us knew w- w- what kind of potential he had, but but uh, Pierre Gauthier apparently didn't like him. Gauthier thought, Gauthier compared him to David Fisher a lot, which we know about what happened with David Fisher. Um but I think, you know, Tenorti's further along in the development. He's more of a known quantity. Um, but I think I think just the way it went about, went, went about he's comparing. 
Um, I just just while you're reading um, um, tweets from from uh, from um, from one of our listeners, a good coach recognizes what kind of players he has. The coach and players on that team match up perfectly together. Max Pacioretty talking about Joel Quenville. Let's see if that quote comes back over the next few weeks and is replayed uh, with respect to Tarion, with respect to division, with respect to all kinds of things. That That is significant. It is, but was it a shot or was it just a, a comment that was taken um, out of context? Because I have, I've, I've seen the quote, I've heard it, I've seen it on social media as well. Uh, I think maybe it could have been taken out of context, but I think only time will uh, will tell. No, no, no. I'm I'm not saying. Yeah, you're right. He was speaking about Quenville. It was um, it was you know he was very uh, Pacioretty is not the kind of person to say things like that publicly. Um, but it also fit the situation. If you ask Pacioretty, I'm sure he would he would say, oh yeah, I guess that fits the situation. I'm just saying that um you know innocently he may have uh, stumbled upon something here okay, next tweet comes from um uh, twitter handle is mi underscore trude from gatineau quebec uh, he writes in french évidemment non et perdu beaucoup de respect dans la haute direction du ch bergevin a royalement manqué de jugement so he writes uh, no, he's lost a lot of respect for the Canadians' management and bad judgment call from uh, Mark Bergevin. Tim from Calgary, and not Vancouver, uh, he writes, MT is accountable for player development, something that is above his abilities. He was a coach for the, re- for the rebuild and French. So this is in regards to Tenorti's uh, development. Uh, Jose from uh, Columnist on allhabs.net, in regards to the Canadians' chances of making the playoffs, he writes, I'm very confident. Once NHL MVP comes back, everything will be fine, and Bergevin will get one or two top six forwards, no doubt. So that's quite uh, positive thinking to get that done midseason with the, the assets that Canadians have on uh, the organization. Next week comes from Vinny Renda from Windsor, Ontario. He writes, Fire Lefebvre, Fire Lacroix. Get Boucher, there's a French-speaking coach who will make adjustments. Goose is a team's mantra, yet Bergevin only trades for bottom six players. DD should be centering. DD should be centering any line. I don't know if he meant to say uh, shouldn't, but thank you very much for the tweets. Vinny, and actually he sent us one more. He writes, frustrated Habs fan, cup contender to potential top 10 pick in draft. No coach should survive that. All BFF to Mark Bergevin. So thank you for the tweets. Uh, next tweet comes from a uh, f- friend of the show, at Peter Galanos. He writes, Habs drafted him to make up for a mistake they made trading McDonough. Unfortunately, should have drafted a forward. Hashtag organizational weakness. So thank you very much for the tweets, Peter. Uh, Jose from allhabs.net in regards to uh, Tenorti's development. I did not like it at all. He and Patterson should have played more. You don't want him, trade him while he, he has value. So thank you very much for the tweet, Jose. And that's one thing, Rick, that I that I totally agree 
it was pretty obvious to me that uh, it's been a while that Tenorti hasn't been in the Canadians' plans. If they knew it, if they were so certain, why did they wait so long before they trade him? Well, that's a good question. And you'll you'll remember that uh, I think it was uh, last summer when the the asking price or 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 the the going rate, I guess, for Tenorti was two second round picks, um, and you know Tenor and uh, Bergevin was well. Um, let's let's hold off. Let's see how this goes. We we might we might need him. He wasn't willing to pull the trigger on that. Um, wouldn't 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 that look good right now uh, compared to uh, a John Scott and and how by not playing him how uh, the organization was complicit in driving down the the value of 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 a first round pick, which is exactly what our our guest said. Uh, um, in the earlier segment. And next week comes from uh, Pedreg in regards to the Canadian chances of making the playoffs. He writes, I was worried, but now that we have that all-star Johnny Scott, we are untouchable. So it's funny to say Canadians have a second all-star on their, on their roster. So curious to see how that's going to turn uh, turn out, but we have plenty of time to think about that. And I don't know how much effort we want to spend on considering that. And, uh, Next week comes from uh, Perlin Pépin from uh, Montreal. It's in French. Uh, she writes, Ça reste un move de Dollarama dans les faits. Aucun échange d'impact dans quatre ans. Vanek n'était qu'une location point. So here Perlin writes, uh, it was a Dollarama move. So a dollar store move that Bergevin did in requiring uh, John Scott. In the fact, only trade that had an impact for the Canadians in four years was the Vanek, and that was just a rental. Uh, and oh, they continue to write, Vous êtes pas les seuls, même Région Houle n'a pas réussi un des échanges aussi ridicule que ceux d'hier. So not even Région Houle was able to do such bad trades. <laughs> so thank you very much for the tweet. Uh, David Marshall from Connecticut, he's uh, very positive, thinking the Canadians still have a good chance of making the playoffs. And then next tweet comes from Guy Cote in the Quebec City. He writes, trade was Tenorti for Bartley, just added Scott in the end as requested by the Coyotes and maybe the NHL. Like Maybe that's what happened, but I'm not sure the Canadians should have accepted if that's the case. Yeah, I don't. As we as we talked about before, if they were after Bartley, they would have picked him up on waivers, or they would have dealt with Nashville directly. Next week comes from uh, Jose. What should Habs uh, do next? He writes, acquire one top six forward now and one at the trade deadline. So he's still pretty positive, uh, Jose. Uh, Tim from Calgary writes, time for the no excuses sign to be replaced by more excuses. The players should be upset at Michel Therrien putting the collar on PK and the rest of the players and the rest of the skilled players and playing uh, David Dernier as much. Justine uh, Godin from Moncton, New Brunswick, writes Canadians should win. That's what they should do next. Uh, Craig Hood writes Bergevin should have shown some sack and said no interest of being involved in that farce. And another tweet comes from Isabel King in what the uh, Canadians should do next. And she writes, brown paper bags come to mind. <laughs> so I'm not sure for at that point. 
So those are great tweets from everybody. So keep them coming. At Habs360 is the way you could do it. Or you could uh, interact as well with Rick at All Habs or on their Facebook page as well. And we didn't have much time, but some quick notes from the Montreal Canadiens from this week. Carey Price started to skate without equipment. So we know that he won't be back at least until the All-Star break, but that's still good news that uh, he started skating. Another move, bizarre. Maybe, Rick, we could get a quick comment on this. Canadians sent down Sven Andrigero and Daniel Carr, and they recalled uh, Jacob Delarose. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I th- I think it's just um, simply uh, not not having Carr and and Andrew Ghetto on the fourth line. You know, either one of them was was effective on on the second line. It's pretty clear with Weiss coming back that Terrian prefers Byron or Weiss or whoever. I, I disagree with that. Um, I think Carr should be there. But but I'm trying to explain their thinking. I think that that they see Jacob De La Rose as a bigger body as a strong skater, as a very, um, you know, he's a good defensive player. Um, they see him as a better fit on the fourth line than um, either Carr or Andrew Ghetto. So uh, on the ice, Canadians have, they're playing three games in four nights starting uh, tonight. They face the Blues uh, in St. Louis and then tomorrow night against uh, Chicago in Chicago. And then on Tuesday, Canadians back at home to face the Boston Bruins. Thank you, everybody, who uh, sent us your tweets. It was a very interactive show, and I want to remind you, Habs360, the most informative and most interactive podcast that you'll find. Rick, thank you very much. It's great to be here again. I I, I really liked all the tweets this week, and um, we, we, as you mentioned, we always pr- promote and interact with people uh, at Habs360 or at all Habs, but let's also Interactions on our All Habs Facebook page. Let's give out the address because sometimes you 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 want to express yourself in more than the character limit, and we're seeing that on the, the page. So it's facebook.com forward slash all uh, dot Habs dot hockey dot magazine. Uh, so come there and uh, join the conversation as well. And thank you very much as well to Jeremy Filosa, Canadian's beat reporter on 98.5 FM Sports. They are the French radio home of the Montreal Canadiens. My name is Chris G, at Chris G1980 on Twitter. Still lots of hockey left for the Montreal Canadiens. Still hope that we'll make the playoffs. We'll be back next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another edition. Have a good week. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.